Hi, welcome. Thank you for tuning to Life Plus Up with your host Kevin Yang. For all the listeners, Life Plus Up is a podcast dedicated in making your life better by achieving success in three core components of life: personal, financial, and career. In each episode, we'll be bringing some of the most positive and inspiring news, followed by introducing programs to help out with personal finance. We'll coach you some professional skills to help you advance in your career, and be your resources for a better lifestyle and health. You can find the newest episode every Wednesday by follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google, or much more. At the end of each episode, I will answer some of the questions from our listeners. So if you have a question, please email me or DM me on Instagram, or just by clicking on the voice link listed in the description. Remember, if you find this podcast informative and helpful, please share with someone that you think this can help. So now, let's have a great show. Imagine it's 4 p.m. on a Wednesday. You're presenting a career-changing proposal in front of the executive board. Suddenly, your phone rings. Who's calling me at this time? You ask yourself as you pull up your phone with anger and see the executive show their annoyance for the interruption. Scam likely shows up on your screen, and you shut off the phone out of frustration. How many times did this happen today? How do they even get my number? You ask yourself repeatedly as your mind lost concentration in presentation and overwhelmed with anger and fear. Welcome to episode eight. Hold up, I am for sale. Now, before we get too far, like usual, I want to kick off our episode with a positive and inspiring news. Today, our news are being brought by the Good News from Today.com. Mom Group helps crowdsource an organ to save a stranger's baby, by Ronnie Koenig. An online mom group can provide comfort and support to new mothers, but no one ever expected that it could lead to a life-saving organ donation. On September twenty-third, Robin Blevin posted an inspiring picture of Andrea Alberto, a mother from her online mom group who stepped up to her helper baby. Colin Raskowski, eleven month, a little guy in need of a liver transplant. Although Alberto, thirty-two years old, had never met Cal, she donated a piece of her own liver to him so he could live. People can say a lot of things about Mom's Group on the internet. Blavin wrote in the caption of the photo, "Here's what I can tell you about mine. When this little sack of sugar, Cal." Needed a liver from a liver donor in order to survive. Over 100 moms from my group called to be screened as a potential donors. It's this beautiful hero mom pictured below in our group who stood up to the task. Tomorrow, this sweet baby will head to a 10-hour surgery to receive a liver from a mommy he never met, except through Facebook. Explained Blevin. 
For Alberto, this decision to donate an organ was easy once she knew a baby in her private Facebook mom group was in need. I knew organ donation was something I would be willing to do. So when I found out Cal was being listed for transplant, it was a very easy decision, Alberto told today's parents. Bliven revealed that it wasn't easy for Alberto to donate her liver. She is a single mom who has left her two kids at home and traveled to Boston from New Haven to give away a piece of her body so this baby can live. Bliven said in her Facebook post, You can talk smack about mom's group on Facebook all you want, but don't talk smack about mine because we crowdsource a freaking organ. A liver transplant is a surgery in which a sick person's liver is replaced with a healthy one. Most liver donations come from those who have agreed to donate an organ after they are deceased. But in baby Cal's case, a living donor is needed to give up a part of their liver for him, giving his liver to the opportunity to regenerate. A child's liver can regenerate into a normal size within just few weeks. The mom in Bliven and Alberto's Facebook group hold meetups in Northeast region. And that was when she first met Beth Rokomsky, Cal's mother, in person. Cal was sick shortly after Beth, and Alberto had to step up to be evaluated without meeting the family she would be end up helping. I don't think your relationship with someone is necessary for doing something to help them, said Alberto. If there is someone in need and there's something you can reasonably do to help them, why wouldn't you? I like to think that if it was one of my kids in need, someone from my extended network would step in to help. So while many mom groups have reputation of being either judgmental spaces where people compare their kids or venues for renting and posting funny photos, this group shows that women have the power to rally together even in their darkest moments. When Beth come needing help for Cal, we all answer that call because that's our baby too, said Blevin of Alberto who is uncomfortably with people calling her a hero. Alberto, who is a single mom to Jack Brooks, 8 years old, and Ben Brooks, 4 years old, said that her boys have been supportive of her and that her older son has been telling his friends that his mom is safe a baby. Since the surgery, Cal has been able to have his feeding tube removed, and Alberto is making strides in her recovery as well. Both Cal and I are doing great, Alberto said. Our recoveries were generally very typical. I went home after 14 days, and Cal went home after 25 days. Alberto explained that surgery for her donations is more invasive than kidney surgery, that the recovery is a bit longer, but that it is still doable. I can't tell you how many people have no idea liver donation was possible, and even those that know typically don't realize that an adult can donate to an infant, she said. And there's a lot of babies out there waiting for a healthy liver. If you are open to the idea of donation, get more information, Alberto said. You don't need to wait until it's a family or friend who needs an organ. The odds are they never will. But someone else's loved one already does need your organ. Find out if you are a match. You can save someone's life. And thank you, Alberto. You have not just saved a life. You have created a brand new future for the baby cow. Here at Life Plus Up, we praise you for your courage and the loving heart. Now, let's take a short break and see what our sponsor has to say. Welcome back. Now, let me ask all the listeners. 
How many times did you get a scam robot call today? How many suspicious emails currently sitting in your junk inbox? Do you know that every minute, at least 19 people become the victim of ID theft? In this age of digital innovation and the culture of technology reliance, identity theft become a common threat to our society. It is time that we became aware of this serious issue and prevent ourselves from becoming victims. The reason I want to talk about this topic is that recently, I received a fraudulent email claiming that it was from my bank. Receiving suspicious email was not uncommon, but this one was different. I was an executive at that bank for over 10 years and I can barely tell the difference. It was so well made that out of caution, I forwarded the email to the online security department of the bank and confirmed that it was actually another phishing email. I thought to myself, even with my experiences, and I couldn't tell the difference. How can others out there be truly secure? As a coach who devotes to help others in achieving success in personal, financial, and a career for over 15 years, I felt there's a need to create a guide for spotting ID thefts and resources for recovery for any victims out there. So what is ID theft? Like how it sounds, it is a crime involving someone stealing your identity for profits. How does a thief profit from such a crime, you ask? Generally, an ID theft can benefit in different ways, such as use your bank cards for purchasing, open a brand new bank or credit accounts for purchase, writing bad checks, taking out loans, cash events, using your identity for employment or apply for governmental benefits like Medicaid, Medi-Cal. Most importantly, they might sell your information to criminal organizations for many different illegal activities, such as money laundering, ghost accounts, cover-ups for human traffic transactions. So to spot an identity theft, first, we need to know how does an ID theft happen and how do they work. Generally speaking, there are two ways that ID theft happens, physical and technology. Physical identity theft happens when the crime was done in person. It can be a coworker, friends, family, or even a complete stranger stealing personal or business documentation that was just left out there in the open. These type of ID theft can sometimes be more damaging than others due to the importance of documentation that was stolen. It can be your bank statements. It can also be your customer's files that contain confidential information or the newest annual report for your company or maybe a top secret project that you're working on, right? The result for such theft is invaluable. To prevent this type of ID theft, all you have to do is safeguard your documents by locking them up when you're not attending them and have a really good habit of shredding any unneeded documents regularly. A lot of business use shredding services, and for you, you can just get a $26 from Amazon's, which can save you tons of money and countless hours if this to happen, right? Sometimes thieves may be targeting easy access mailboxes that are out in the front of residence or just a local U.S. post office post boxes that's on the street. Before you know it, the check that you wrote for utility companies or the pay slips that your employees send to you might just end up in the wrong hands. So to prevent these type of fraud from happening, I will always consider to go ahead and limit paper trails, 
by opting to online documentation services provided by the utility companies or your employer. If you do prefer paper instead of online, really consider of setting up a P.O. box with your local post office just to secure your mails. Physical ID theft has been there for the longest time, and it can be prevented with good practices and habits. But currently, there's a new trend of technology ID theft out there that has disrupted our society, and they are so much harder to stop. There are types of different technology ID theft. Generally, there are five different types of technology ID theft. One, phishing. Two, vishing. Three, network hacking. Four, skimming. Five, data breach. Now let's start with the first one, phishing. Phishing, just like how it sounds, the thief will create a fake website, aka farm, spelled as P-H-A-R-M, that resembles a popular company sites like Costco.com or Facebook. Then they will send out thousands of emails from mailing lists that they bought from some marketing companies or even criminal organizations or the dark web. The email will have a very attractive titles like win a gift card, enroll in survey to get free Costco membership for the year. Those attractive titles promote excitement or sometimes just to provoke fears like this is IRS final warning and things like that. Once the victim clicked the email, they will be prompted to download an attachment with viruses or links to enter their personal information. Like the email I received, some phishing emails look so real that they may be difficult to tell apart from the real ones. The tips to prevent falling for phishing emails are forward the email to the security department of the actual company for validation. Two, avoid open any email from entities that you are expecting. Three, contact the customer service hotline of the real company and see if such email was really sent out by them. Now, the second type is vishing, V-I-S-H-I-N-G, or S-M-S-shing, right? We have to add a shing to all the fraud now. So vishing is a fraud attempted through phone calls and voicemail. That's probably the one that you just got not too long ago. On a daily basis, you should get a list of scam calls. Those calls have the same intention as a phishing emails. They are trying to scare you with some autobots and script, and then you will be prompt to talk to a professional fraudler who can actually get some information out of you through a conversation. And there's a SMS fraud, which is using text message, messenger apps, or social media direct messages. The victim generally receives text messages from someone claiming to be their friends, family, or even reputable brands that the victim follows online. These type of fraud target all ages from grandparents who are receiving texts claiming to be their grandkids who needs money, to teenagers who were asked to participate in the survey just to win the newest Air Jordan or valuable from the brands that they like. As messengers and social media platforms become more and more popular, the number of victims increase rapidly. So tips to avoid such scams are, do not share sensitive information over texts or messages. If you are unsure if the senders are imposters or not, just call them directly using the number that you have, not the one that they give you. 
You can also register your number on Do Not Call List. It is an organization operated by government agency. If your number is registered and you still got a call for solicitation, then you know that call is probably from a fraudster. Now, the next type of ID theft is the network hacking. In this age of cellular data going off the roof, like AT&T, everyone's looking for free Wi-Fi just to stay connected, right? When you're in Starbucks, malls, or even Gap, the first thing you do is turn on your Wi-Fi button and see what kind of free Wi-Fi you can get. But keep in mind, the thief often pay attention to those who are looking for small savings for their cell phone fees. Most unsecure public Wi-Fi are easily hackable and often has zero protection features against the frosters. To avoid being hacked over public Wi-Fi, just to stay away from the unsecure network. Or if you really have to go ahead and use the public hotspots, just make sure that you do not use the private financial apps or share your sensitive information as the hacker might be monitoring the network right now. The next type is called skimmer. Skimming usually takes place through a small device attached to ATMs or gas pumps that are unattended. The thieves will install these devices over the card readers. And when you make a purchase, the device will transmit the data simultaneously. How do you avoid being skimmed? Always use the ATMs that is in the secure area, such as banks, postal office. Now, when you pay your gas, really go ahead and go into the stations to pay with a gas attendant instead of paying to the gas pumps that has been sent alone out there, right? Now, if you really have to use the standalone ATMs or gas pumps, try to go ahead and pull the car reader a bit. If that's removable, then you know that's a skimming device. Now, the next type is the one that is completely out of your control, data breach. You can avoid all the traps or keep your information safe. Data breach is something that is out of your hand. A data breach happens when a hacker cyber attack a large business that have securely fought to steal their customer information. Do you know in just the past two years, there have been more than 2 billion customer files affected? In 2018, Marriott, yes, the Marriott, was hacked and lost over 500 million customers' information worldwide. You think that's bad? Wait until you see this year. So far this year, Facebook has lost over 540 million user information from its cloud server. And one of the most prominent title company in the country, First American Financial, has just lost 885 million homeowner information. So remember, our country only has 325 million people. So it's safe to say that even at this time, your information may be compromised and you might be currently up for sale on dark web. So how do you find out if you are affected? The Federal Trade Commission will be an excellent place to start, and the links are attached to the description of this particular episode. So now, we have discussed the different types of ID theft and some of the prevention tips. Let's review some of the general best practices. Password. How do you set a good password? A good password use a complicated mix of special characters, numbers, and letters. And you should always change your password every three to six months. 
always avoid using easy information like birthday, street number, phone number, or just your pet's name. Avoid saving your passwords on a shared device or on your phone or on documents that's easily accessible. And do not share your password with others, even your loved one. It's not that you don't trust them. It's that they may be compromised because their security level might not be as high as yours, right? Now, let's talk about social security numbers. Only give them out if it's necessary, like when you're applying for a job or governmental benefit, right? Do not give them out on surveys, text messages, or be like that guy, the CEO of LifeLock, who put them on the truck. He got scammed three times when he was doing that. Always remember your social security number and keep the real car safe at home. It's only nine numbers. I bet you can do it. Now, always check your social security earnings and benefit statements annually on your pay stubs or being sent by the government just to see if there's a fraud that has a cure. If you see that there's a lot more than you're supposed to, you might want to find out why. Now, the very last one will be technology. Always install antivirus software. You should always clear your cookies regularly, not the cookies that you eat, okay? The one that the website that you visit attached to your browser. Pay your bills online or through company apps. Always scam your computers and smart device regularly to see if any virus is being installed without your authorizations. Utilize credit monitoring services provided by credit bureaus or financial institutions to monitor your credit cards, your credits, your personal information. Now, how do you know if you actually became a victim of ID theft? In most cases, the victims only find out that they have become the victim in the most inconvenient times. Times like loan applications, employment background checks, or being arrested for outstanding warrants that you know nothing about. There are signs of becoming a victim. And if you are able to spot them early, it may save you a lot of time and money. The symptoms of becoming an identity theft victim is inaccurate information showing up on your credit reports, collection calls or letters, not receiving your monthly bills, any unauthorized charges or withdrawals from your bank account, or you receive cards or statements that you don't recognize. To find out if you have any of the signs mentioned, just check your bank statements regularly and utilize the free annual credit reports provided by the credit bureaus. The website is just annualcreditreport.com. If you have become a victim of identity theft, then it's time to review the recovery process. Recovering from identity theft may be time consuming, but if you do it right, you may be expecting a full recovery. If you are a victim of ID theft, there are two things to know. First, time is not on your side. You have to act quick. Second, you have to know how much information was compromised. Did you only lose your credit card? Or is someone else using your social security number for employment as we speak? Do you have any loans that you don't recognize? Or is somebody else currently committing crime using your personal information? To be sure, you may have to verify your registered address and employment history through credit bureaus. If you suspect your information has been used for criminal activities, you can always ask your local precinct for assistance to check for any outstanding warrants or visit the federal watch list just to see if there's anything out there you should be knowing about. The links are being attached to the show now. Now, steps for recovery. 
if you have confirmed that your identity was stolen, remain calm and follow the following steps. First, contact your banks and creditors to report any inaccuracies and unauthorized transactions. Follow their process just to get the new cards and pens for security purposes. Two, report your case with Federal Trade Commissions by using the link provided in the show note and continue with the selections that is most resemble to your case. Three, follow the step-by-step instruction provided by the Federal Trade Commission after you have filed the report. Four, contact your local post office to inform the incidents and forward all the future mails to a PO box. As we have shared a lot of information, I want to do a quick recap. Every year, millions of Americans become the victim of identity theft. The number of incidents is frightening, and they can be time-consuming to address. Early detections and self-protection can sometimes go a very long way in securing your identity. If you ever become a victim of ID theft, the key to full recovery is to act fast and follow the guide provided by the Federal Trade Commissions. Now, for the past 15 years as a life coach, I really dedicated myself in helping others to achieve success. Now, as you know, your identity and credit is closely tied to your personal and financial goals, which lead to long-term securities and fulfillment. If you are becoming more aware of identity theft and how to spot them, I encourage you to become an advocate to increase awareness of this ongoing threat of our society and stay diligent to protect your own identity. Always ask yourself, is your heart and money and credit well protected? If not, what are you going to do about it? Now, let's go ahead and answer some of the mailbag questions from our previous episodes. First, I have a question here from one of the listeners from New York. Hi, Kevin. I have a question about your project surviving layoff. If I'm not laid off, but I want to leave my company, what kind of resources would you recommend? So there are two resources that I think you should definitely utilize right away. First of all, is your LinkedIn. Making sure that you go ahead and turn on your filter, letting the recruiter know that you're currently looking for opportunities. Reach out to your network and start building the conversation around opportunities in their firms. Remember, the best jobs are normally offered to people that is inside the circle. Now, you can also look into using public websites like ZipRecruiter, Indeed.com, Monster, or other type of job search. But just keep in mind, a lot of posts that they have, it's already expired or outdated. So if you do find a company that have a particular posting that you like, I always advise you to directly go into the company website, go to their career center to find out if that post is still there and explore to see if there are any other posts that you might be interested in. Now we have another listener also asking question in regards to the project surviving layoff. Hey Kevin, I'm currently considering an offer from a potential employer. What are some tips for salary negotiations? Oh well, like any negotiations, you have to know two things. How much do you need and how much does the market value of your job positions offers? So the first one is you have to do your own budgeting plan to see how much money you actually need. The last thing that you want is that you accept an offer of a job that does not pay you enough to support your current lifestyle. 
it doesn't make any sense, right? Unless you are in the situation that you have to take that job, then I strongly suggest you to go ahead and visit my episode one or two to make another budget plan to make sure that you can still meet your ends, right? Now, the second thing is, how do you know if you're being offered a shared price? You can always refer to website like glassdoor.com or if you are a user of LinkedIn Premium, it will show you a range of what that particular position offer and really tell yourself about where do you currently fit. Are you above the top 50 or the lower 50% of that particular positions? It depends on the year's experience you have. And the last one will be using the resources I provide in the show notes in the previous episode, which you'll be able to download the new market report and it's actually classified different job classes. So it will just give you a good brief idea about how you want to start. Remember, salary negotiation is your right. Your employer is not your employer yet. So you have to let them know what you need. And keep in mind that it will be so much harder for you to negotiate once that you're in the company. Because generally, the company increase salary based on the merit. And you will only have opportunities like this if you get promotions. So I always said, if you start strong, it's much easier for you to go and keep built on top of it. Don't just think about getting into the company and agree to any salary because that's what your baseline will be. And it sometimes can be quite underestimating yourself. So for any listener out there, if you have a questions of any contents that we discussed in this episode or with our guests or any other previous episode, just feel free to go ahead and shoot me an email or DM me. I'll be more than happy to cover that in our next upcoming episodes on Life Plus Up. As we're wrapping up this episode, I want to thank and remind all the listeners that in the description, you'll be able to find the overview of our contents the links to positive news and resources, and most importantly, the show notes that I publish on Medium. Our music are being brought by Scott Holmes from scottholmesmusic.com. And if you have a question for my guests or for myself, please email me at podcastlifeplusup at gmail.com or find me on Instagram or simply by clicking on the voice link in the description. If you find this podcast informative and helpful, Please follow and subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and share with someone that you really think this can help. If you want to support, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or simply by clicking on the donation button. Now, we'll see you all next Wednesday. Until then, remember, success without fun never lasts. And fun without success is not really too much fun. So let's have a fun and a successful podcast together.